Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. If you're looking for the skills and tools to succeed in real estate investing, you've come to the right place. This show is about breaking through barriers, breaking through limiting beliefs, and breaking through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Um, we have another exciting show for everybody today. So hopefully you've got your pens and your paper ready to write down all the useful tips we're going to have. And there's going to be a bunch today because we're going to dive deep into some landlording tips. And I think there's going to be a bunch of stuff that everyone can grab onto. But before we get into that, I'd like to say good morning to Sandy. How are you, Sandy? Hey, I'm fantastic today. And uh, like yourself, super excited to share some great content once again with the listeners and the viewers and um, just happy to be here, man. Excited. Now, before we get started, let's remind everybody that they should head over to BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. There they can listen to all of the past episodes and they can download our free gift. The ultimate strategy for building wealth in real estate. Yeah, they can grab that and um, also get on our email list so they'd never miss a show and never miss a beat on what we're up to. Uh, events, maybe live events at some point, things like that. Um, and uh, virtual live events, whatever we're up to, depending on uh, what we can make happen. And um, of course, you know, never miss a show because we, uh, we do send out some emails on that. So you always get to keep up to date, whether you are subscribed or not, or you're keeping up on your, your iTunes subscriptions or wherever you listen to podcasts and shows, uh, you'll never miss a beat. So go get on that. Definitely. Yeah. And I think you can like, you know, hit the bell and hit the like and all that kind of stuff. And there's social media links on there that some people use. And I guess you can go do that if that's your thing. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> um, I would suggest that. And I would say that uh, you probably get a little more, a little more um, stuff from us, but not too much. We don't bombard people with uh, with um, emails and whatnot. Just important things. Important things that you wouldn't want to do without. So also, yeah. you should go over to iTunes and leave us a review if you haven't done that. Um, we've got a couple new reviews here that I was going to read. If, uh, oh, if I can find them. Here we go. They changed iTunes on me, so like I was spending the last five minutes trying to find these before we started the show, but... 
Here we go. We've got three. And I don't know what this guy's original review said, Sandy, but um, but it's a revised review. So an edited review. Revised. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> so it says edited review. Now it's got five stars. Don't know what it was before. It's from MacGyver C. And the edited review says the sound quality is much improved and the content is excellent. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, maybe in direct contrast with his last one. I don't really know, but uh, but uh, well, we've improved you know, over the over the. Minutes. We've definitely improved over the seven years, right, of the audio. That's for sure from back in the day. <laughs> oh, absolutely. yeah. yeah. And there's still room for improvement, but I think it does sound much better now than it used to. Definitely, so definitely. another one we've got here says new REI, and it's from Momo. Momegamus, Momegamus, five stars. Very helpful content. Would love to hear some more guests from out west and Alberta. Nevertheless, keep up the great work, boys. And we got two more. So, this one is from Matteo Fife, and it says, five stars. Great content. These guys are very knowledgeable on various topics within real estate. I love how they focus on residential investment properties for all levels of experience. Also, uh, always appreciate the insight from the guests they bring in as they talk about their own real life stories. Yes, that is good. We try to talk about people's real life stories and not sugarcoat things, right? There's always going to be issues. So we do try to acknowledge that it's not all uh, candy floss and flowers. Last one here. Um, this one is from Sean. It says, great learning tool, five stars. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks to Sandy and Rob and your team for the podcast. It took me a while to find a real estate podcast within with meeting content. I learn something new every time I listen. I'm hooked on the podcast. I'm happy to see that the podcast episodes are now updated on iTunes again, and I can catch up on the episodes I missed. See, we scared people there for a bit, eh? With the iTunes was down, or we have I had a couple tech issues, but that's why you got to go get on our email list so you never miss out. It was true. We did have a we did have a little bit of an issue there on iTunes, and uh, it was it stopped updating our shows for a while, and then we disappeared altogether. Yeah, and uh, it was like we never existed. So people were like, "What's going on?" But no, we're here. We, Apparently, we, we can never quit because there's a lot of people, a lot of a lot of haters jumping on that one quick. So I guess we got to keep this going. Not haters, just uh, not haters, but yeah, fans. you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so thanks for those reviews, guys. Please keep them coming. We do appreciate that. Again, it helps us get seen on iTunes, and it's very helpful. So thanks to everyone who's done that. Um, Sandy, what's new in, in uh, life with you? You know what? Just uh, just uh, busy. Obviously, the real estate market has been crazy, so we've been uh, just trying to keep up with it and um, pick up the odd deal while we can as well. And just, you know, I, like, I, I just think it's a, a great always a great time to be buying real estate and it's just trying to find their deals in in the limited inventory that's out there obviously right now right but um but it's uh it's been a crazy summer crazy start to the fall just like you the southern ontario and everywhere and most most of canada i really think the market's been pretty crazy so um doing our best to keep up with it and help out with everyone as we can and pick up our own deal here and there and i don't know what it's going to be like this year but I have found that from about now until Christmas, those are when the deals, the real deals can be had. We're getting into the, yeah, we're getting into the, the last quarter, which is the best one for sure. I agree. 
Awesome. Yeah, me too. We're just uh, finishing up on a couple projects, waiting for a refi on one duplex conversion that we did. So that should be soon. I'm excited for it. It looks like, you know, one of those old school Sandy full burr refis with uh, all the money being pulled back out. Beautiful. House, so they don't come along very often lately anyways. So I'm very excited about this one. It worked out well. Where's that one at? Is it Peterborough? No, that one's in Oshawa, actually. We're still doing them in Oshawa, still making them work. Beautiful. And uh, and I've got an ongoing student rental, which has changed sort of the idea behind it in uh, Peterborough. A couple times we were going to put a, a, first off, it was going to be a 10-bedroom straight-up student rental. Then we changed it to eight bedrooms plus a two-bedroom apartment. Now, since everything seemed to go okay with the students, we don't want to sink the money in. We're thinking of going back to just a 10-bedroom student rental. So 10 bedrooms. Yeah, ten bedrooms. Yeah. Sounds like uh, sounds like cash flow to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I talked about that one before, and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, it looks like it's going to do very well for us. So, if you haven't seen the video, it's on YouTube. Go check it out. Awesome. Um, that's it. That's it. I think we're ready to talk about. Um, well, we have a great guest today. Now, hopefully, I'm saying it right, Cindy Winners. How do you how do you say your last name? I'm sorry, I don't want to get it wrong. Let's just That's two, okay. allow you to say it. Two kind of tough ones. Uh, Wennerstrom Rubisky. Yeah. Wennerstrom Rubisky. Awesome. Well, I um happy to have you here. Uh, excited to have you on the show. And um, for those of you that don't know, Cindy's the owner and operator of Oral Properties, uh, boutique real estate investment firm, and a longtime veteran of real estate. Uh, as a professional real estate investor, our journey began over 24 years ago when she bought her first investment property. And since then, she's been featured on several uh, top magazines, newspapers, books, investor forums, TV shows, etc. And she's inspired thousands of people to become investors, acquire properties and build their retirement wealth. And in her investing career, Cindy is focused on conversions of single family homes to generate cash flow through duplexing and triplexing. And she has a true flair for space management and deep knowledge and understanding of what the tenant's uh, really want. And she's designed and managed dozens of renovations for herself, for clients, and she's found many incredible properties and tenants for her investors through her one-on-one consulting and tenant find services, which we will talk a little bit more about here through the interview. Uh, but once again, Cindy, really happy to have you here and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here with with both of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks very much. We We really appreciate you taking the time to come out. So Let's start off sort of the way we always do with everybody, and let's uh, learn a little bit about you and your business. Sure. So uh, Oral Properties started out of uh, the need. Uh, I became a landlord and acquired multiple properties, and I was still working full time at that time. Um, but by the time I left my my career, I thought the only thing I want to do is real estate. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I love renovating. I love advising and guiding. So I started my consulting business. It seemed like there was no better option for me than to follow my passion and to take it to new heights. So Oral Properties was born and I became a consultant. Um, I learned everything I could possibly learn about real estate investing through all the channels I think most of us serious investors go through, like the Real Estate Investment Network was one of my key groups. I started, we started uh, actually an outside group that I'm still a part of today, an elite realty investment club. So just staying on top of uh, day-to-day, you know, landlording and investing and um, being able to teach people how to build a real estate investment portfolio that is truly cash flowing, 
truly profitable and truly going to give them value for their retirement and future generations. That was uh, what sparked me. And because I had properties and needed tenants and because I was helping my clients, you know, duplex and triplex and find properties, obviously we needed to have a good tenant find service for them because many of them were working full time. They simply didn't have the uh, not just knowledge and expertise, but the time uh, they had families and careers and they have no ability to, you know, write ads and take pictures and videos and market them all over the place and then answer leads 24 hours a day and then show the properties to people on a whim whenever, you know, you possibly get a lead. You have to show it right away or you lose that client. So um, I became, um, you know, we, we, we started a division for tenant find services and that's gone very well. We try to match gold standard tenants with gold standard properties and, uh, and yeah, it's history. That's beautiful. And, uh, and let's get a little bit uh, on how you actually started out as a real estate investor. So talk to us about how you grew to the point where you wanted to go into it full time. So I think it's in my genes. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but since I was a little girl, I mean, my grandparents had a bachelor apartment in their house. My uh, Nona and Nono had, a, you know, a tenant that lived up in the attic. They had a coach house in the backyard. Immigrants that made it from nothing and using tenants to help supplement their mortgage and investment future. My mom and dad had a basement apartment and an apartment above us. I lived in a triplex. I was a little girl. I didn't even really know it. It just, to me, was completely natural that you would start your life out in this way. Over time, of course, our home became our own home when things were easier. But when you're starting out and you're trying to build equity and you're trying to pay your bills, having a good tenant <laughs> is, is, I think, quintessential to the entire process. For me, there was no other option. When I became you know, tired of living at home, I didn't pick up the rental guide to rent an apartment. I picked up the buyer's guide and I was looking at properties that would suit having me in an apartment and then renting out the rest of the house. So my first investment was actually a really big home <laughs> in retrospect. Um, I'm from Sudbury, so it was a little easier to purchase homes with property and a little bit bigger. But I lived in a one bedroom apartment upstairs and I rented all the main floor and basement out to students. And I even built a couple extra bedrooms so that I could have more students and more cash flow. So during the school year, I rented to students. And during the summer, I got a contract with um, some firefighters like, or, or sorry, airline pilots were training to be firefighters, uh, like with the, the bombers. So they would come every summer and put in their hours to do uh, to do flying. And that was awesome. So I had 12 months of the year and I was a student. So I was able to advertise to students. I knew that market really well. And then as I graduated out of studenthood, I became a young professional and that became my target market because I knew and I understood them. And then it just spawned from there. When I moved to Toronto for work, I ended up in a condo for, um, well, an apartment. I became a renter for a while. That's a horror story in itself, but it turned out okay. And then I bought my first condo. And then from the first condo, bought my first house and put my first apartment in that house. So it was this whole evolution. I kind of went backwards and then came forwards again. And, and now I'm, I'm back to having my own house and an investment portfolio of uh, properties. Well, I do think it's brilliant that, I mean, really, if you think about it, there's no other business with a, with a path of as little resistance as this has to get into it. I mean, right. you can educate yourself. There's no formal education required to become a landlord or start mm -hmm. a business. 
like like we have as as real estate investors and um and i mean that that idea where you buy a house you live in it and rent some of it i mean i think that's the path that a lot of people take starting out and Absolutely. it hurts so much and you build your wealth through just just that little channel to start with and then you can grow and expand and i just think that i mean as far as even as just a straight up business goes there's it's a no-brainer you know, yeah it, no-brainer. It, it is a business and those people that are truly successful in it treat it as a business i mean i i never looked at it as you know uh this is my house and it was a business and my tenants were my clients and you're constantly, you know, making betterments to the homes to attract better clients. Um, you you can't just wing through it. You can't just, you know, do it and think. You can't just do it. You have to get guidance. So that's why there's podcasts like this. That's why there's real estate investment groups. That's why there's books. That's why there's magazines. And I mean, if you you have, you really have to learn, um, but through the school of hard knocks, if you will, because they don't have courses in colleges or universities or high schools on how to be a landlord. I mean, they should. <laughs> they should have courses on how to build an investment portfolio of real estate. They really should. Um, you know, the only thing we could do is learn how to be a real estate agent. And people who are making their career as agents do fabulous in that. But a lot of people think I have to be an agent to go buy a property. Well, obviously that's that's not true. You don't need to be an agent and to be a landlord. Um, but it's, it is an, a natural evolution and it does make complete sense to start with a basement apartment in a home, which we see a lot of young people doing because they can't afford the full ma- mortgage payment. Maybe they can, but they don't want to be taxed to the nines. So they do appreciate that basement apartment in there. And it's a sacrifice. I mean, let's be frank. You're living in a house with someone. Um, you have to be very careful who you let into that house. I was fortunate the first house I bought in Toronto, my basement tenant stayed 11 years and became a dear friend. You know, that doesn't always happen. You have both ends of the spectrum where it can be a really wonderful experience like that. And then it can be an ultimately disastrous experience. Like I was listening to 99.9 yesterday. My dad texts me and he's like, you got to listen to this. It's live. And they're talking about landlording woes in Toronto area. So I tune in and there's tenants and landlords going on and on about all the things that are happening during COVID. And you know, I, my heart just bleeds because I know a lot of it could be avoided from the very beginning. It's not all COVID related. It's making bad choices to let bad people into your homes. And we really, that's, you know, all about landlording. Just follow your gut, but there is a process to it and you do have to be smart and wise to that. So, you know, that's why I exist as oral properties, I guess, to help people with that. Well, it's funny, and I'm definitely not going to go into it too much, but I was talking to another investor yesterday, and we were, and he was saying, you know, I really haven't had that much trouble with tenants. Like, so lucky. And, and, or not lucky. Maybe he's just smart about it, right? Well, it's not luck. It's, it could be. But on the other side of it, I was, I was kind of going, yeah, neither have I. And then we started talking, and all of my tenant stories started coming out. And I realized, man, these sound pretty bad when you actually yeah. <laughs> you're immune to the to the horror but, of it all. That's all. But originally, I just said, yeah, no, you know what? Things have went really well for me too. Oh wait, there was the one thing. Oh yeah, and then there was this, and then there was yeah. this, and then there was this. But you know, I've gotten through them, and they're not as bad in retrospect as they were at the time. They were disastrous. It always but, feels horrible when you're in the moment of it, and then time heals all, right? As we know, as time passes, it like it's okay. Okay, it wasn't that bad. But if you had to go through it again, you really wouldn't want to. And I think a lot of first-time landlords have a 
initial horrible experience and then it just turns them off completely and they don't want to ever go back. I mean, I hear people selling condos left, right and center right now because they have tenants that won't leave and they've had problems. And it's like, it's not really your answer. Just getting out of the market completely and never being a landlord. The answer is in the landlording. I think ultimately, as you get more properties and, and, and units and stuff, you're going to have you're going to have the odd issue for sure to deal with. Right. And it's comes with a the territory. And if you have one property or one unit, you know, and you have one great person, that's great. But obviously more and more, you're going to have issues. We had, um, we had a murder in our property, like less than a month ago, a few weeks oh. ago. Um, and it was, well, yeah. Big. Yeah. And it was like one of those <laughs> moments where you're like, well, obviously that was, What's that? Better. These are the kind of stories you need to make everyone else feel better. I, I actually, I, yeah, I don't think I brought it up on the show yet, which is interesting. But it's, it what? was, uh, it was, kind of, it was a wild. Uh, but that is like, it, it was awful. I know it was I'm our tenant. Oh my god! I know it's not, it's, it's not funny really at all. But it's, no. it's one of those moments where you're kind of like. You know, if it was early on in 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 our, our you know our experiences, landlords, it would have been like really really crazy and at this point it's like well it's obviously you feel for the whole situation and everyone involves and like we'll get past it and move on and, and fill it again and it'll be one of those stories that we tell here and there but i think you um, have to disclose it now though right? i know i think so well you do yeah. if you sell it for sure you know what not I'm not, i actually renting. don't know i actually don't know about renting it maybe mm, yeah you're right i don't it, think you have to disclose it if you're renting i'm pretty sure you don't that's what we looked into and didn't see that our, our, Google it was, the address, and you're gonna be. I know. Don't worry. Of, we'll let them know. <laughs> None <laughs> of the news has come out yet on it. We don't even know the actual cause because they don't share any info for like 60 days or so on it, and they've been very like the police are involved in everything, obviously, and they're trying to investigate. And we don't know the outcome yet. We'll probably know in the next month, um, really, what happened. But I want to tune in for that podcast because I'd like to hear yeah. that. Uh, it's actually crazy. not our tenant. It's their girlfriend um who had, was the victim um and he was at west wow. working and um yeah it's i probably shouldn't get into all the details to be honest yet but it's Not an interesting yet. story yeah. maybe in a few months or something i'll share the whole the whole outcome it's uh yeah it's quite it's just one of those things that's pretty interesting to deal with um but thankfully it's not going to deter us from buying more or doing this uh, again. Obviously, it's just yeah. it's just a kind of moment that it sucks to be a part of. But um, we'll move on and find a way through it. But yeah, things and happen. Think, things happen. Yeah, things happen like fires and floods and yeah, tenants yeah. vandalizing and unfortunately deaths, whether they be you know intentional or unintentional, and they just consequences of life. But there's yeah. there's there's always a reason for vacancy. <laughs> I love that you said clients. So you've said that actually, I've already, you've already said that like three or four times is referring to them as clients instead of tenants. I mean, they're, I mean, tenants, it depends on what you think of the word tenants, but they're, they're clients ultimately. And you have to, the more you yeah. think of them in that sense and provide a good service to them, you're going to get that in return. Right. Yes. And I, from experience can tell you that no matter how good you are to them and no matter how much you do for them at the end of the day, they will always find a reason to be upset with you. Uh, I've got really thick skin because of that. Um, I've had tenants turn on me for the smallest reasons. And we were like, you know, I thought best friends, but it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a very, what's the word? The industry that we're in, it's got this connotation of slumlord and tenant, you know, is always the, the, the poor victim. And I think what we've seen over the years 
is the idea of the slumlord doesn't really like there's not that many that exist anymore. I think there was at one time where buildings became, you know, derelict and then there was this idea of slumlords that own big buildings and multiple properties. But we're talking about, especially in Toronto area where you have, you know, people who are just buying properties and filling a basement apartment. We have so many like small landlords that this is their home or their second home, maybe their third, like they don't have a hundred doors and they're being truly victimized by a corrupt system, to be honest, the landlord and tenant board and the way that things are always swayed in favor of tenants because of a system that's broken. I mean, we, we, we've been categorized as slumlords and, and, you know, we're, we're greedy and you hear Ford even saying it. I mean, he's not talking, I don't think about the little guy, but that translates to everybody because it's like a blanket coverage. And if that makes tenants who are living in a basement apartment with their landlord living upstairs, disrespectful to that landlord because of what's happening, you know, out there and what people are saying and how it's being misinterpreted. And that to me is disheartening because we put our hearts and souls into our properties. Yeah, sure, there's always gonna be a bad apple landlord that kind of ruins it for everyone and makes us all look bad. It's like that in any industry, like with real estate agents, right? There's like only 20% yeah. of you that are doing what, you've, what you're capable of. And it's just, it's sad because there's so many that are right now in bad positions and they're potentially gonna lose their homes. They're defaulting on mortgages because their tenants are taking on this, you know, mass mentality of, yeah, we're tenants, we're victimized, it's COVID, we shouldn't have to pay rent or, you know, things like that. So, and it's not just during COVID, it's been going on for a long time, but I think COVID has kind of brought a lot of new issues to light for those smaller landlords and the issues that they face because maybe they don't hire a company like mine and they're trying to deal with it on their own. And it's it's very stressful. I've had a lot of landlords call me basically in tears saying, I don't know what to do. Like you're my last call. I'm on the brink of you know depression and you name it, they're, they're at their wits end. And it doesn't have to be like that, right? At all, at all. I, I would be suicidal if that was the case. <laughs> Yeah, if you were taking the, if you were the last call and all those, that'd be tough. Yeah, I mean, I have my, we all go through those issues, but, uh, but it, it's, um, it's definitely rewarding, but it has its immense challenges, that's for sure. Well, let's get into this then, since we're sort of on that track now. Um, how has the rental market been impacted by what's been going on in the world lately? Abysmally. Um, you know, at first I would say in, um, March, I was, I was pretty nervous because we like, never been through a pandemic before what's going to happen. Right. I was even thinking about my own portfolio and my clients who have multiple properties. What happens if the tenants just don't pay rent? There was that Parkdale rent strike thing going on and stuff. And some dog walker that got 30,000 signatures. And you're just like, holy crap, do these people know that we are homeowners, that we just like, can't just not take rent for months. Pandemic doesn't mean one month. It means many months. It's pan, it's everywhere. It's all over. It's, it's, it's not going away next week. So it, it's a little flash of panic. And then by April, um, my panic subsided slightly. Um, when, you know, April 1st rents came in, May 1st rents came in. And I would say it was around um, the month we end now because my time, October, right? So around May, end of May, things started to pick up substantially. 
Um, the summer, as you know, has been crazy. And at first it was as like, it was the pickup of people wanting like more renters. So we're like, okay, so they're looking again. They got bored, like they're sick of waiting in their apartments. And a lot of them were looking for units that were brighter um, or had an office space, right? Because now they've been stuck in an apartment, March, April, May, and they're going, I don't wanna do this for like the rest of the year potentially, because we all knew that this wasn't gonna end you know, right away. So we had a lot of tenants looking for apartments that were brighter, bigger, um, and potentially moving in with significant others. Uh, sorry, actually, first it was people moving out because they wanted to get away from significant others. That was in uh, like April-ish, April and beginning of May. By end of May, we had people who really loved each other deciding they wanted to move in together. So we had that first set of tenants who were like, I need a place because I'm, I'm splitting up. And then the second set was I'm moving in with people. And that's when I started to see my own client portfolio and my portfolio start to get uh, notices. So tenants were in basement apartments or one bedroom saying, I'm moving in with my loved one. I need more space. I'm upgrading. I'm moving away for work opportunity. I saw a lot of that. So people were getting promotions and they were moving to other cities or to be closer to work because they didn't want to take public trans transportation. Um, so that kind of happened all through to the end of, I would say, the summer. And what I'm seeing right now is just a lot of vacancy. So people have moved, they have transitioned. There is an abundance of uh, rentals on the market right now because of the movements. And if, imagine if everybody is moving and combining into one property that leaves two empty. Um, so, you know, it is, it, is, uh, it is disheartening again because you have the vacancies and you are not getting the rents that you were. So I would say in order to fill a vacancy right now, you have to market it at a rent from about three years ago, unless you wanna sit on the market of which many you know, are just waiting. And it's also creating an environment of panic for the small real estate investor, again, the small landlord. They're scared to be um, vacant. They're more worried about being vacant than they are about having a bad tenant. They forget that there's a bad tenant scenario. So. They're just renting to people maybe too quickly, and then they're having issues with payments of rent. So if I could give one word of caution to any landlord who's out there listening to me right now is please don't jump the gun. You are better off to stay vacant and empty and not collect rent than to have a tenant in there not paying you rent. That is bar none the best advice I could give you. Be vacant. You always have the opportunity to drop the price and get someone in there, give them a rental discount. Um, you know, you gotta be careful with rental discounts. That's a whole other conversation, but to keep your market rent high at the end of that term, but uh, be vacant, don't be occupied and not getting rent. Be vacant and not getting rent. Um, so that's what's now, happening now right so now. more than ever, right? Now so more than ever be vacant. Right. How long is that process gonna take? I don't know, to get rid of someone in a, it, yeah. it could drag on a long time. It, it, it's it's scary. We put in, um, I only have, you know, have had, I think, three slip through the cracks in all the years I've been landlording where I had to apply to the board for anything. And one was this past um, March, she moved in and then she didn't make her first rental payment. And we're like, really? She gave extra rent up front because she had bad credit, but her income was $80,000 a year. So you would never imagine her not to pay her rent. And so we, um, we filed uh, you know, the N form right away. And then I filed the L form right after that. And as soon as she, uh, the L form was uh, expired, then we went ahead for the hearing. And 
it's been it's been uh, four and a half months and I still don't have a hearing date. So they told me that because there's over, and this was about a month ago, there was over 11,000 applications waiting to be booked for a date. So it's not like, oh, you're gonna get a date. You know, you're, you gotta wait to get the date. And then that date is being pushed, God knows when, like it's gonna be a year, is it gonna be six months, are we gonna be lucky? I begged for a telephone hearing. I'm like, just give us a telephone hearing conference. Like, I don't need to be in person. And he's like, we're really trying. I'm very sorry, but we're climbing an insurmountable mountain. And these are people that work at Landlord Tenant Board. So, you know, I feel like the system's collapsing. So landlords are going to start taking things into their own hands. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. But something's going to break and something's got to change because landlords who are going to lose their home, cannot wait seven, eight months just for a hearing date and then have to wait potentially another seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 months to get in the hearing. And then we all know that when you have that hearing, it doesn't happen overnight. You still have, oh, they'll probably give the tenant a break and then the tenant stays there or maybe they evict the tenant, but the tenant's got you know 30 or 60 more days. And then the sheriff's office, when it comes time for that, might be fully booked because of all the evictions. So you're going to have to wait a month or two for a sheriff to come and then Oh my God. Like it, it just, that's where I get the anxiety. That's why I think it's better to be vacant, suck up the loss income wise, and just wait for someone to come in. That's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sorry, that was my rant. I don't think that's on here. <laughs> Very good advice. And, and that's, uh, I think always true. Even if we're not in this time, it's better to wait for the right tenant than and yeah. go a month vacant if you have to then to or put two or three you know like yeah. in a pandemic we are in a, a time that we have never seen before we cannot predict there's no there's no way to know what's going to happen in one month two months or three months so i think that more than ever i always told my clients keep two and a half months on reserve minimum always um I, I break that rule all the time because i keep way more than that on reserve because i'm always scared you know like what happens i get a a roof I have to redo. Toronto, that's like five to 10 grand, depending on how big your roof is. So you can't, you always have to kind of be prepared for the worst in this business, but know that every month you're still paying down a little bit of mortgage principal, right? So you're, you're not, you're not losing, but it's, it's hard because you were relying on that extra income, maybe to pay your own principal mortgage. Uh, who knows what everybody's situation is. We're all different, but it, it does bite the big one, but it's it's worth it just to, to suck it up for a little while. Now, I just wanted to get some clarity on something that you said there. So when you were talking about how um, in the first month it was people splitting up. Yes. Now, and then the second month it was people um, getting together. Was mm -hmm. that in reference to people looking for apartments or leaving the apartments? Uh so in the beginning, the split ups, uh, I found I didn't lose anybody from that, but I found a lot of people looking. Okay. Uh, so that was in the first little bit. And then the second, it was, uh, I found people were, were looking. Same thing, couples wanting to get together. And then I would say nearing the end of that month and into the third, I had my own tenant saying, I'm moving in with my boyfriend. I was not gonna, but you know what? I don't see an end in sight. We're a little concerned. Why pay two rents at this time? when we we've lost our jobs like we were servers or what have you so i'm like okay it makes sense like they were all past they didn't break leases they were all month to month um or their lease was coming to an end already 
So they, they didn't, uh, they didn't do it like they didn't break their lease. It was just, you know what, I think it's time. I've been there three years or I've been there two years or four years. So, so it sounds yeah. like a cycle of opportunity though, where, you know, people with one bedroom apartments are getting those people that are possibly splitting up. And then the people with the two bedroom apartments or the bigger apartments might be seeing some people joining together and looking for those rental opportunities. So, yeah. um, when when you talk about how there's less of a demand see my thought process would have been that people are looking to sell their properties and move into a rental that would have been where i instinctually go in in this type of situation like that's where i would have thought would happen but you're telling me that that's not necessarily the case and that there's an abundance of rental properties available right now for rent and I don't know for sale, Sandy can talk to that. But um, as as far as people selling their homes and looking to rent, I haven't seen really any of that. No. What I am seeing is people wanting to renovate their homes. Renovations are at an all time high. Home building has not slowed down, as you know, lumber supply and composite supply and all those things are you know the the supply chain is a wreck in general for anything related to home building. Um, so people are renovating their homes and in the, while they're renovating, they sometimes need a property for a short-term period. So I've seen some of that, um, whether it be furnished or unfurnished, we've lost pretty much all of our expats that were coming overseas for work. International students have come to a grinding halt. Um, so those properties, you know, have suffered, um, the film industry is hot. So we have a lot of, um, you know, people coming from the States that are not just coming, the actor coming alone to work and going back and forth like they would have done before, but they're bringing, you know, the actors, directors, they bring their family because they want to stay together and they don't know what's happening with border closures. So they're looking for three and four bedroom homes furnished. So there's an opportunity in that segment of the market. But the one bedroom furnished, let's say, is sitting on the market. It's very hard to get those filled because I don't know who's looking for a one bedroom furnished. If you're renovating your house, you're probably a family or a couple. You need more than one bedroom. If you're coming in for, uh, you know, to do a film, you want to bring your family. You're not going to live in like a, basically a hotel room. So, so the, there is, you know, there, and there is a lot of supply and tenants are demanding deals. So because so many properties have come on the market from people transitioning out or going, a lot of them are going to live with their mom and dads too. Let's face it. People are leaving apartments and going to live with someone else who they don't have to pay rent to or they have to pay minimal rent to. So a lot of the vacancies that we're seeing are not necessarily, you know, from people amalgamating households, but also people going back home or, you know, it's that 30 year old child that you just can't get rid of. He's back home again. Um, and, and because of the demand, like in uh, even three months ago, I had tenants say to me, there's so much supply in the market right now. We've noticed that people are really giving good deals. My brother found a place for, and he offered 300 under market and he got the property. So I was wondering if you would rent this one for 300 under market. And I'm like, well, not yet. You know, talk to me in two months if I'm still vacant. But I feel like that's a stretch given that we're just only a month or two into, you know, the pandemic. But that's what's happening. Tenants are wise to it and they're saying, okay, my friend just got a really good deal. Maybe I can upgrade my apartment, pay the same, or maybe even a little bit less, be in a better area or have nicer fixtures and finishings. And now their apartment's on the market. And nobody wants a basement right now. 
everybody who's been stuck in a basement for COVID is going, yeah. not going to happen to me again. So as far as basement apartments, no matter how bright walk out, they're just, they're petrified of them unless there's, you know, huge yard or something they can get out into. So yard space, bright, big windows, non-basements, those are the units that are going to get the most attention, but you still have to be willing to negotiate and, and rent probably under market value at this moment. And I hate to say that because I've always been the advocate of push the market value just a little bit. So if the market value says it's $1,700 right now, then go $1,745 or $1,795. If you don't get it, drop your price in a couple of weeks. It doesn't hurt to be the market leader, right? And what areas are you generally uh, working in? So the majority of my client profile would be Southeast and uh, Toronto. So Leslieville, Riverdale, Upper Beaches, that sort of neck of the woods. Uh, some in Liberty Village um, and that area on the West End. And then you've got the center core. Um, I have some in Mississauga, Southeast Mississauga, and then downtown Brampton. Those are kind of our main areas. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've heard a lot of that in Toronto as well. Just the <clears throat> challenges with getting what they used, what they thought they were getting, like small landlords, and then just mm -hmm. struggling to get, you know, what they think they should. But it's, you got to price it where the market is kind of at or going, not where it used to be, right? And so I think that's uh, a challenge. A lot of the secondary markets might be different depending where you're at, right? Because I think, I mean, in Hamilton for us, we've, I would say mostly like status quo a little bit. Like we haven't probably seen as much of a drop as Toronto would have just based on, we probably get a lot of those Toronto people coming this way. And I'm sure maybe Rob, you you're are, the same. actually. So I, we kind I of, had. you know, you get a mix of that. You kind of get uh, like, there's definitely some Hamiltonians too that are going elsewhere even because it's still a city in its own self, but it's not Toronto size. So you get a lot of those people that are now all of a sudden remote, working remotely. They can maybe live in Hamilton or live, you know, in a place that they, they don't have to be in Toronto every day. Right. So I think that's, it just depends on your market for sure. But I, the bigger, I imagine like a Vancouver and other major cities are, are seeing that same challenge um, that you're mentioning in Toronto, which is, Really interesting. It's going to see how interesting to see how long that lasts, or or what the next year or so has yeah. in the, in store for that. Because another thing about condos is people didn't want to be in condos anymore. So we saw a lot of um, you know vacating of condominiums where they don't want to be in a, touching elevator buttons or being in common areas that are so saturated with people. So there was that original fear of oh, I don't want to be in a condo anymore. That's like definitely not for me. I need, you know, so a lot of people moving to burbs or moving back home with their parents and stuff that probably don't live in a, a, you know, concrete jungle. They're getting more back into outdoor space and people are valuing outdoor space so much right now. I, where I live, it's i I'm sandwiched between two parks and there's actually a waterfront trail that goes between them. And there are days where if I put a time-lapse on the camera, like it would just be constant, like zoom, 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 people going by bikes and rollerblading. And it's always been busy, but I find this year it's just, it's, I won't even take the trail. Cause I'm like, I might get COVID. <laughs> so I'm like avoiding the trails. There's just so many people and it's because they need reprieve from all this chaos. You know, they want to be out in nature. And if they have a property in the middle of downtown Toronto in a concrete jungle, you can't really, you can't really get that. So they're kind of moving to areas where they'll be able to quickly access that, I think. I thought it was weird to say you were sandwiched between two parks. I feel like that's more of like a, 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 a snuggle or something. <laughs> They're really close. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I would agree with Sandy just in that I feel that 
you know, the outskirts, the markets on the outskirts of Toronto had lower rents to begin with. So those people coming out this way are seeing those discounts that they're looking for in, in your area as well, without mm -hmm. us actually discounting our rents um, in the outskirts. That's right. So, so I agree more or less where, where we are, we're sort of seeing the status quo in business as usual, pretty much. Um, so it's interesting to hear the perspective coming from your area, which seems to be quite a bit different than where we are. And, uh, and uh, anyone out there listening or on Facebook right now, I'd like to hear about what you guys are seeing in your markets, whether, whether you're seeing what Cindy's seeing or whether you're more seeing what's, um, depending on the market you're in, if things are just sort of running along as normal. So if you have something to say about that, just put it in the comments. Well, the CERB and the CERB payments too, right? Is the CERB doesn't probably cover much uh, in Toronto, right? It doesn't go very far. Whereas well, like some of our markets, maybe it goes, maybe it goes you can farther. almost. Yeah, you can at least yeah. maybe not pay your full rent. Sometimes you could for sure. But um, but if there's two people in a household collecting CERB, that's $4,000. And that's true. more than some of my tenants probably, you know, in a basement apartment might have pulled in together already. So true. In so a couple, some yeah. people are disadvantaged, but. Are a lot of people take it like they have a lot of tenants, do you know, that are on that or that are because that might be a sign of things, uh, maybe challenges coming down the road once that is run out, which we're pretty much at the at the end for a lot of people here. Right. Yeah. And um, so when all this started, you know, I sent a message to the tenant saying, you know, your rent is still your priority with all the government assistance. Please tell me if there's anything, you know, that um, that your situation is, it needs to be addressed, basically. And no one said anything. Um, and I mean, I haven't had anyone of, in my portfolio that had to leave because they weren't making enough money or because they lost their jobs and they were on CERB. I had one client that he owned a property, um, it was like a cottage property outside of the city and he was paying rent and they had lost their jobs. So he had to vacate, but it was the end of his lease coming anyways. So, I mean, for the most part, I wanna throw it out there that if you have tenants who had, you know, pretty stable jobs, like careers, they haven't been, I would say, let go, like they're all still working, they're working from home. Um, but servers have been most severely impacted, obviously, because they were out of work for a number of months. And then their jobs now are quite, you know, they're on, they're hanging on a thread, they don't know if they're going to be closed down or not, or if someone gets COVID, their restaurants cut closed down. So they're probably the least stable. Um, but I have healthcare workers, obviously they're working them to the bone. So there's no issues there. Um, you know, anybody who's like a sales rep for a company, they haven't let people go yet. Um, but like I said, there's been a lot of transition of career too, where people are taking this time to get a promotion and, and upgrade and, you know, put their hand up for stuff. So there's a lot of jobs out there, guys, like <laughs> this supply chain, uh, you know, groceries, grocery stores, uh, laborers. I could talk about this for a while because the construction industry right now is a mess where laborers are getting served. They refuse to work. They're actually telling contractors who are trying to hire them. How are you paying me? Yeah. Pay me cash. And if you give me 50 bucks an hour, I'll work for you. Meanwhile, it was 25 to $35 an hour before. So, I mean, there's a lot of that happening right now. And there's a lot of open space for people who really do want to work. There, there are jobs, you know, maybe it's not going to be, in marketing if that's what you do but so you have to do something different for six months it's uh it's just to get by right we have to do what we have to do that's investing is all about sacrificing 
real estate investors, we know all about that. There's no, there's nothing short of sacrifice in this, in this uh, career that we have. So. Um, real quick here, we've got, uh, our, um, resident, uh, multi-residential icon, Pierre-Paul Turgeon, leaving us uh, some comments in the chat there. He says, uh, it's good to see Cindy. She is a rock star real estate investing. So good to see her. <laughs> uh, he also says luck stands for laboring under correct knowledge. So there we go. I like it, Pierre. That's good. <laughs> How, how how can landlords safeguard themselves against this, some of these challenges that you've mentioned here? Like, what are uh, what are some things they could do to make sure that they don't run into some of these issues, or that they, uh, you know, just just because I think going forward, you never know how long this is going to last. And what what are some things maybe they could do now, or they should have been doing already, to make sure that they're um, safe and have renters either staying and paying, or you know, they're attracting the right type of profile if they are vacant. Yeah, so I think that the biggest uh, number one goal is to scream the heck out of them. Uh, you have to scream like you're gonna, you know, you're marrying this person. You have to know everything about them. You have to ask for all the references. You have to call all the references. You have to ask all the right questions. You need to get the, first, the last two pay stubs. You need to get the NOA, make sure they're filing taxes. You need to get the T4 to corroborate their income. You need, need, need personal references. You, you need to know everything about them. You need to do Google searches. You need to pull their credit. Um, current and past landlord, because the current landlord wants to get them out if they're a bad tenant. And they're going to say whatever they need to say to get this tenant out by the end of the month, because they've probably been dealing with them for a while and they're desperate. So unfortunately, I think a lot of landlords will lie. That's why you need the past landlord. Um, Screening is your number one tool. You, of course, will go with your gut, but I can't tell you how many landlords have said to me, oh, I went with my gut feeling and we did it on a handshake. I didn't even sign a lease. I'm like, don't do this to me. Like, you're just, you're going down a rat's hole. So, you know, screen, 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 and don't be scared to screen. The only tenants who have given me problems, there's two, told me not to call their boss. Why? Why am I not allowed to call your boss and, and verify that you're working? Well, there's stories to both of them as to why, you know, they didn't want me to, but that's a red flag. If they say, don't, here's a reference. Yeah, I work here, but don't call. Or yeah, this landlord from last time, you know, he, he's dead or he's, he, he, he's, I don't know, he's out of the country or whatever. We always say, no problem. We call out of country and we do email. So maybe just pass me their information. If I cannot get hold of your landlord, current, past, and your employer, I'm sorry, but you better give me a good reason why I should still take you. So screening, 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 like screen. And when we do screening reports, it's like four pages of this is everything we found out about the tenant. These are red flags that we may or may not have found, right? So now it's up to you to decide. We think it's still a good possibility, but you're going to have to watch out for X, Y, Z. I mean, or just don't take it or take it. You know, it's up to the landlord at that point, but you need to screen. It's so important. It's so important. The other thing we do just to get a glimpse at people's lifestyle every once in a while is check on Facebook, right? Google. Yeah. Google searches are the bomb. And I have like, even my staff still have a little trouble with the Google searches. I'm always like going in and double Googling because if you Google their phone number, their email address, their name, their second name, because sometimes they, they like to go as an alias, alias online. They don't want to put their, their real name uh, or second last name. 
you Google any references they gave, you Google them and their name together to see what comes up. Um, so like, you know, maybe they're not socially on social media, but the boyfriend is, so you put them together. Um, we go to the friends lists and we go down and we look at all the friends that they have. Are they people that we would be okay with visiting our buildings? Um, we found, we've denied people before because, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but people on their Facebook profile did not fit the profile of the building and were involved in heavily illegal activities. And we knew that through gangs, et cetera. So we're like, mm, no, sorry. Like we've got children in this building. I can't let that person in. She seemed great, but the people she hung around with just would not, my, my phone would be ringing. <laughs> I don't want midnight phone calls. <laughs> I'm sure that would be just fine with uh, the screening gods that, you know, you did that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it that way. Well, and I got in trouble. The agent was like, how did you find this information out? Like, how do you know this? I'm like, look, I just, we just know. It's just like, going to get more and more out there as we go in the, at this point, right? There's so much info and it's not going away. So yeah. I think not using that seems silly now, but those are some awesome points in there. Um, some little hacks, I guess, that you shared that yeah. were pretty good on finding, because just oh, Googling their name is great, but there's so many more tricks. So many other things. And if you cannot find them on any social media, another huge red flag. So there's something they're hiding. And the only person that I was never able to find on social media ended up in a huge drug bust with the police with drugs and guns and money being confiscated, went to jail, the whole bit. And they seemed completely normal. So you have to watch, <laughs> you have to watch. If there's, if you have an uneasy feeling, you're probably right. You know what, even if they're not involved in illegal activity or even if they're not friends with people that might cause that kind of problem in a building or whatever, my favorite answer has, if I've decided against them for whatever the reason might be, um, is just, we've decided to go another way. Oh, you can't say anything else, Rob. It's, it. against, it's against human rights code and all this other stuff. You just decided to take another applicant 100%. A landlord can be, you know, severely reprimanded for refusing a home to someone. So I tell everybody, your answer is you went with another applicant mm -hmm. or you're still, you're still analyzing it. Might take a month, right? Mm -hmm. Like, unfortunately, I'm very busy right now. So I can't get to your application, but I'll let you know. I mean, that's it's it's unfortunate that we are put in that position when this is our investment. This is our home, but we could have to take somebody. No, it doesn't. What else do we have to get to here? So, I mean, I guess we we sort of touched on the how things are going now with the non-payment of rent and getting people out, but maybe. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a bit about how they can uh, landlords can protect themselves from getting, I don't know, from non-payment of rent, I guess. Once the Is tenant's already in, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So there are ways, um, you know, work with your tenant. I always say like if there's, but file the forms right away. So, you know, like if you're, if your tenant tells you, look, I'm having trouble this month, my rent's late. That's good. They've communicated with you, right? They didn't just not pay. So give them a call, try and get it offline so that you, you know, you want things in writing, but you also want to be human about it. Give them a call, say, hey, what's going on? What's happening? Find out the details and then sum it up in an email afterwards. Okay. So as we discussed today, you mentioned that, you know, things have been very slow at work. Your commissions are down and you're not able to make your monthly rent payment this month. As you know, our policy is we do not accept rent payments being late. 
So I'm issuing you an end notice today for eviction. You have two weeks to pay it. Now, please contact your local bank. Please look at these government assistance programs. Please contact your family because unfortunately as a landlord, I don't have the ability to support you as a loan. If you do need a loan for second, you know, second kind of like a loan, I might have people who can help you let me know. So give them all of their options and put it all in writing because you had the conversation and now you're summing it up. So now you've, you've got the end form, it's submitted. So it's not like you're going to go, okay, well, he said he'd pay me in two weeks. So I'm going to wait before I give him an eviction form because I feel like a real jerk sending it to him right now. No, you have no idea the backlog, right? So just give him the form now. Then in two weeks, if he doesn't pay, you can take whatever action you want, submit your L form, right? Try to get a hearing because it takes so long for the hearing dates that you don't want to wait until it's been now a month or two and he, he's back on two months rent and then start submitting your forms. And now you're two months behind submitting your forms. So like you've just wasted three to four months. It, just, it doesn't make sense. So do it nicely. Like you're not just sending it to him off the cuff and not prefacing it with a phone call or an in-person conversation. Mm -hmm. The other thing is once you submit your L form, um, there is like a payment restitution form, like a payment plan that you can offer the tenant. And this is really important because it's, it's kind of a new law for landlords that if you give a payment plan and your tenant signs and agrees to it, and if they miss a payment for any reason at all, you can immediately evict them. So hopefully only landlords are listening right now, but we want them to sign that payment plan so that we can, you know, A, we want them to be responsible to pay the rent. We want to know as a landlord, can we get $500 every two weeks or every week or whatever it is, but also because it gives us clout in, in the landlord tenant board, we have the ability to then file for immediate eviction. If they're not capable of paying the rent, I mean, quite frankly, why do you want to live there? Go live somewhere where you can afford it. It's so stressful for both parties. Um, so filing your forms immediately, talking to your tenants, um, if you know that your unit may sit on the market, maybe it's not up to date, maybe it has quirky, maybe it doesn't rent easily in a good market, maybe you can offer that tenant, you know, a rental discount of some kind. So say, look, and again, you have to be careful with rental discounts, because if you just give them a blanket discount, then your rent at the end of the year becomes that rent. So you have to do rental discounts it's like 25 pages in the act, but you have to read it. You have to understand it and you can give rental discount, um, maybe like one month is free and six months from now, but you pay your rent and then that month is off or whatever you decide to do for your rental discounts. But it, it makes the rent cheaper at the end of the year. So maybe give them a rental discount of some kind to entice them to pay that you're, you're, you know, you're helping them. Um, so rental discounts, talking to them, submitting the forms immediately, and I don't know, I guess that's about it. I mean, once they're, once they're in there and they're not paying, if they're reasonable, responsible people who are ethically, ethical and moral, they're going to pay you. It's the ones that snuck in that are not, that never had any intention to, that will ultimately take you to the cleaners. So that's where the screening comes in to play. Oh, sorry, another thing I do, if they're the immoral ones, we call all their references and let them know. So we say, you referred this person, you said they were, you know, good for their payments. You said they were working, that they were good people and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just want you to know they're seriously behind in their rent. They're refusing to communicate with us. Is there anything you can tell us? Can you help us? Can you talk to them? I think they're really down and out. I think they need a friend and, you know, like that. Or call their parents if they came from their parents' house and say, look, are you willing to take 
Sally back? Like she's not paying her rent. Um, this is the situation. Are you, are, can you help her out financially? Uh, that kind of thing. And if you have any fear at all when you're bringing on a tenant to rent in the beginning, when you're screening them, that they might be uh, tight with their finances, get a cosigner. Get a guarantor or cosigner. Get a parent or a family member. They have to be local. Don't get someone from China. Um, but get someone who's willing to, you know, say, yes, I back this person. I know I'm financially and legally liable if they default. And then you always have that person to go to. Anybody that I've had a cosigner for, the cosigner has always pushed and made sure they paid their rent. Um, so that's, that's also an important trick. Sometimes tenants know their credit is horrible. Uh, they know that they're financially tight, but they do cash stuff. So they'll say, look, I'll, I'll give you an extra month or two on top of my first and last month's rent. Um, we, we like to hold that to the end of the lease, although the landlord tenant board says you're supposed to do it at the beginning of the lease. But what's the point of that? Because that just means they don't pay the first three months and then they don't pay on the fourth month. I still have nothing to hold on to while I'm taking them through the tribunal because it's the, it's three to four months to get through a landlord tenant eviction process when we're not in a pandemic. Normally, mm -hmm. <laughs> So now it's probably a year. So, you know, unless you get a year up front, I don't know what you would do. But calling those personal references is almost like, I don't want to say it's shaming them, but it, 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 does, it does wake them up and they do call you back after and go stop calling my references. I'm like, well, we need to talk, right? We need to, we need to work this through. I love that one. Said in the right way, it's not shaming them, I think, right? No. Having, do it using the right wording around it. And and, yeah. and maybe they actually do need help. Like And, honestly, and honestly, right? sometimes we're truly concerned for those people. Yeah. Like, we're like, okay, something is really wrong. They're not acting the way they used to. You know, something's off. I think they, they do need someone. Yeah. Um, well, I think that there's a couple of takeaways. And for anyone that's been listening, you've referenced certain forms and processes that you go through in order to either get someone on a payment plan, which is the proper way to, to go about it, like creation yeah. first. And then if that doesn't work, getting them out. But there are these forms, there are these processes that maybe if you're sitting there and you're listening to this and you don't know what those forms are and you... Uh, and, and you don't understand what those processes are, well, maybe I think the two big get uh, takeaways from this are you've got two options, really. Option one is to, to treat it like a business like we've been talking about. Learn what those forms are. Learn what those processes are. And on the other side of that, if you don't have the time or you're not interested in that side of the business, mm -hmm. then talk to someone like Cindy. She's got all of this knowledge and all of this understanding of the processes and you can go to her and uh and you've got um a consulting business right that, that you mm -hmm. want to share with everybody too why don't you talk about that yeah so my consulting business is um you know more helping clients find properties so we take them out on shopping days with an agent and uh we, i'm not an agent i'm just a consultant and investor so I teach them how to buy the right kind of property. We do a short list for the day. We walk through anywhere from eight to 12 properties in a day. We do a cash flow analysis up front on those properties that we pre-select. And then by the end of the day, they're putting offers on three properties, their top three picks, and they buy a property. Um, I always tell people, don't hire me for that unless you're a thousand percent certain you want to buy a property because there's always a good investment on the market. So that's one thing I do. Uh, sometimes clients or real estate agents will hire me to go through a house that they're thinking of buying or that they have just bought. So they, wanna, they want somebody's um, opinion as to how it can be split 
what how it will work or cash flow financially like if you put in you know a wall here or a bathroom there so kind of like a house whisperer i can go in and say this is what the house needs don't do it like this it's going to be too quirky you're gonna you know your rents won't be as high so maximizing cash flow and value i do consultations one-on-one -on -one with people that just want to know how to get to their end game. So they have sort of an end game in sight. They're like, oh, in you know five years, I don't want my wife to be working anymore. I want her managing the real estate portfolio. We want to have five properties, and this is you know this is where we want to be. So I'm like, okay, let's look at your situation right now. Let's see how we can get you there in five years. Um, yeah, so just kind of a one-stop shop. I I have done and I do do uh, uh, renovations for clients. So either giving them consulting advice throughout the stages of the renovation, uh, which I think is critical. I don't think anyone should do a renovation without having someone come in at different stages to double check what they're doing and to give them guidance so that they don't have to undo things because it's always more expensive to do things twice. And I've had a lot of people call me in when they've already like rough plumbing in and stuff. And I'm like, no, okay, you should have had me in like two months ago. And I could have told you that this was the best way to do it because now it's an expensive fix and we're working with, you know, something that we have to basically keep and your rent's not going to be the same because of it and, or the value of the home isn't going to be the same. Everything we do in an investment property, we have to think of the future, rentability and resale. And how is it going to affect the capital appreciation? Is it going to you know, give me a bonus? Am I going to get all of my refinancing money out? Or am I going to do something quirky, like put a bathroom off the kitchen and no one's going to want to rent it? And, you know, it's not going to come back at a good appraised value. So helping people just with everything, you know, from soup to nuts when it comes to real estate investing. I'm not that, you know, um, paralegal that's going to help you kick tenants out. But if I find you a tenant and there's an issue in the building with that tenant, I'm the first to send notices, like an N5 notice to, to cease and desist or, you know, an end notice for non-payment of rent. I will help you out with that. People are petrified of those forms. They are so easy. You just have to read it and fill in the blanks. And I think that, like you were saying, Rob, you know, it's daunting when you don't know it, but you just have to read it. The forms are there to protect the landlord's and the tenants, truthfully. I don't think that the process is completely, you know, there to protect us <laughs> at the end of the day, but the forms, if you do it all right, there is a process for a reason. And it's just like any kind of law, you just have to follow that process. So I'm, I'm process oriented, I'm an organizational junkie. So, you know, I'm happy to give that kind of advice. Um, but our tenant find services are, you know, I would say second to none. You know, touch wood, few people slip through those cracks. And if and when we have something that happens, we take that and we learn from it and we implement new strategies to ensure that nothing like that ever happens again. And, I, you know, again, touch wood, I haven't had anything horrible, horrible, horrible happen like what Sandy had happened. Um, but, you know, there's fires, floods, there's uh, there's tenants who don't pay. There's tenants who decide to paint the entire units. There's tenants who leave belongings behind. There's, you know, midnight moves. There's all that stuff. And again, being that I live it, walk it, breathe it. I, I help my clients when they have issues. If a client messages me and says, do you have a paralegal number you can give me? I'm like, call me first, what's happening? I don't want you to spend Monday, money on a paralegal if you just need to send an N5 notice. And then we can worry about paralegal later because they're like three to $500 an hour for some reason lately. Um, so yeah, so that's what I do. Well, sorry, did you have something, Sandy? No, all good. All good. I mean, that, that's perfect. I think people should, there's a lot of reasons in there to reach out to Cindy about that and get some help um, before making any major decisions, I think. 
yeah, you know, would be the key. One of the biggest things that we've that we've talked about today is just the fact that you don't have to be. It's hard not to get angry when your tenant doesn't pay you. You 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 look at it as a personal attack almost. But it's, it's not. And when you go to give that form, that notice saying, hey, you're late with your rent. This is the process that I have to start. Because exactly. Treat this like a business. It's nothing against you. It gives you some time. It outlines your your timelines of what you have in order to, you know, get things back on track. When I think a lot of people's tendency is to get emotionally involved yeah. in it and just, you know, yeah. sort of crumple up, um, metaphorically speaking, their their form and throw it at the tenant and go, here you go. <laughs> Thanks for not paying your rent. Yeah, exactly. They're getting taken advantage so right. of in their mind, right? They feel that and you yeah. get emotional, especially if, if it's a new thing. Hey, I think as a real estate investor, we all know you cannot have emotion in this game. Are you gonna? Yes. Should you? No. If you start to feel emotional about something, you need to take a breath, take a day, take a week, whatever. Think about it. Don't let it get the better of you because as soon as you downplay to that level of whatever it is that, you know, the naughty tenants doing, you've lost You've absolutely lost. There can be no name calling. There can be no negative messages going back and forth. There can be none of that. You have to remain professional. Keep, you know, keep it as a business, unemotional, detached and plan because, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have damages. I'm going to have to line up contractors or whatever. Just this is it. This is the way it is. Just deal with it, basically. We had a ton more stuff here to talk about, but. We're, we're about an hour and 10 minutes in. We don't Sorry. want to monopolize your whole day. So uh, let's let's end off with how people can get in touch with you. I think that there's going to be a lot of people after hearing this that would like to talk to you and get a feel for what uh, what more that you know you guys can do together. Um, how would they do that? Uh, they can go to my website. So it's just uh, oroproperties.ca. Uh, they can email me directly, cindy at oroproperties.ca, or give me a call, text 647-261-4676. That is awesome. Perfect. Okay. Thanks so much for sharing everything today. I mean, I think that this is one of those, another one of those, Sandy, we're having some uh, bonus guests lately. I really- <laughs> Thank you. you know, the, the nuggets of actual uh, knowledge that people are getting out of the last few shows are really, really good. So well, the timings probably could be better because- um unfortunately there are people having probably some issues around this stuff right now so i think it's a great time to reach out to you for some help great time to just share this type of info so yeah i really appreciate you being on here it's been great thank you so much for I'm having sure me both guys know. thank you very much sandy how can people get in touch with you uh yeah sandy at mckay realty network.com or uh 289-389-6846 and people can reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. And uh, Pierre Paul is still on there. So it's good to awesome. hear you. So, you know what, guys? If, you, um, if you're listening to this on the audio and that's the way to do it, that's great. But also, if you want to get on and interact with us and the uh, guests, you know, go on our Facebook uh, every, Wednesday, or every other Wednesday at 1030. And, uh, and, and ask questions, you know, it's a good way to get right in touch with whoever we're talking to. And most of our guests like Cindy have an abundance of knowledge to share. So get over there and do that. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you one more time. Appreciate your time and, uh, we'll see everybody next time. Have a good day. Bye.